So today we are talking about business and more specifically about profits. So very much as marketers, it's clear to us when we ask any of our clients, we know that we're working towards increasing their bottom line, which is how much money they're making. But I want to talk today with George, our CEO and founder, about why businesses need to be more than profit motivated to be sustainable. It's a good question. <laughs> and I think it's a big one. It's it's an open-ended one. But um, we say to clients all the time, like, we know your business is more than your bottom line. The question is, is it for all businesses? I, th I think it really comes down to the motivation of the business yeah. and who they're accountable for. And I say that for me, is profitability important? Of course, of course, but why? For me, it's important because I'm accountable to myself here and I'm accountable to the employees and my colleagues. I want to ultimately have a place where people feel confident coming into work every day, getting a sense of gratification that they're achieving something. You know, what better what what better feedback do we get when a client thanks us for the work we've done and how it's impacted their business? So it may have impacted their business because we were able to grow their bottom line, which oftentimes becomes the case, how you choose to capitalize on those funds that are coming in, that revenue that's being generated is the part that accountability comes in. And if I could distribute that here in an organization to better the lives of the individuals in this organization, that is my gratification. That's why bottom line it's not just about bottom line. It's what you do with the bottom line growth. Yeah. I think, so I'm going to say something controversial. Go for it. That now I believe you and what you're saying. Like, I think we align well in our values. Like, I understand where you're coming from and like what you're getting at. Okay. I don't know if it's in like the way you've expressed it or like I didn't believe you before, but maybe about two, two and a half, three years ago, I simply was like, this is a profit-motivated business. And I couldn't wrap my head around understanding what the greater values of it was. And just before this, we were like just talking, you know, with other staff that are in the office today about like believing what you're saying and mm -hmm. bringing the baggage of like a previous organization or previous experiences with you and like how you understand things that are being told to you. Like... Now I'm like, okay, what George is saying is authentic. It's real. It's like what you you mean what you say. But prior to that, like I I don't know. I couldn't wrap my head around like that mission to grow your team and have more people on the team and have more people in house and not contract out. Yeah, I, and I and I, and uh, my apologies. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> well, no, not uh, not looking for an apology because I I'm like almost like. God, what was it in the messaging that like we need to almost clear up? Because now that I fully understand you, I'm trying to pass that message on to the team as well, where things lead from the top, right? It's like I'm trying to communicate that to everyone that like, you know, you have education reimbursement. You will be granted your time off. We do take a human approach. You will be valued. There is transparency. We are a team. Like how do we make it not seem like lip service or, or like what's behind all of it? I think the key is, like you said, the it has to come from top down, but it has to be lived from mm -hmm. top down. 
So, you know, if I'm misbehaving or not following through on uh, the beliefs and the values that we've uh, communicated to our team, then I'm a hypocrite. It just makes me a hypocrite. So, you know, going back two and a half, three years, like you said, and and perhaps the messaging wasn't clear. I think a lot of that exercise comes with um, maturity and learning how to communicate, which is something you and I have worked on and you've helped me a lot through the years of like, how do you project a message? Because to this day, I still say stuff to you and to the team. And they're like, didn't you mean it this? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I meant. They're like, okay, we have to change the nomenclature or the narrative of how you're saying it because it doesn't get interpreted that way right and maybe generationally now it's even more complicated because there's ways to communicate terms that are being used that are truthfully sometimes i'm like i'm not sure i understand what they're talking about Mm -hmm. so perhaps that plays a role in it too it's not to say that i'm i've always been true to what i believed which is enriching the lives of the people who given they're all here. And I'm also, I'm a human being and I make mistakes. And oftentimes I even hear things that I'm like, where I question if I'm saying something wrong and I'll use, I'll give you an example. And I know you know this, Mm -hmm. or maybe you don't, but one time I was in a, in the town hall and, you know, growing up, I've, I, the term that was used often was, you're helping put food on people's tables. And I said that in one of my meetings with the team. And I'm like, I'm so proud that I'm able to help put food on your table. And that was misconstrued and twisted, almost like it was an insult. Like, how dare you suggest that you put food on my table? And by no means was I trying to demean anybody or to say that I'm literally feeding you food. It was just like... I take great pride that I've got this team of great people and so much intelligence here that I learn from daily that it was like the way it was approached to me was like, you should have never said that. And I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have. But then maturity comes in. It's like, wait a second. Like, I, I, by no means am I disparaging. By no, I'm just mm-hmm. proud that I have the ability to bring people in and then feel comfortable and confident and safe, which is a term that's being used a lot these days here, which is was new to me. What does that mean? Like safe. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna hurt you here. Yeah. But it's it's beyond that. It's psychological safety. Yeah. And like being able to provide that makes me feel very proud. You know, so why would I not want to work in an environment like that if I am on the other end where I'm the employee? Mm-hmm. You know, why would I not want that for my employees? Because yeah. I feel safe every day coming in. I feel like I can have a conversation with you anytime I want about work, life and stuff. And and all of the staff here for that matter. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's a great fucking feeling, man. Yeah. I think... Um, so first, on, on the communication and context, like we talked about this yep. before, it's just like, if that's misinterpreted, we've just got to figure out a, a new way to communicate it so that your intent is really truly being put out there in the way that... Everyone is understanding what that that value is versus like what it being misphrased, right? Yeah. Second to that, I think I want to dive more into values again, which sure. is like the thing that keeps consistently coming up. Um, <clears throat> so 
I think if like the interpretation from us or staff is like, okay, we work for a business that's like entirely for profit, then it it makes any job kind of disposable in that sense. Like it's just like if I'm going to help this boss make money, if I'm going to do it here, I'm going to do it there, I might as well go to the place that makes me the most money, has sure. the most benefits, has the most whatever. Um, and, and that's essentially it. It's like the labor market right now is not lacking workers. It's it's lacking empathetic bosses and places that are willing to pay value, like the value that you're worth. Um, what is it that you found has like resonated most in like talking about your values with the team and the size it's at now? The authenticity of the message and the follow through, I think. Uh, I mean, it's such a, we have such a diverse age gap between our staff and different backgrounds, cultural, religious, whatever. But we, I feel like I could approach anybody here without the CEO hat on and feel intimidating or for whatever reason. I don't feel like I need to behave a certain different way because I have a certain title. I feel like I'm, I like to be approachable, but I feel like a lot of the staff will approach me as well. Um, you know, that, that our value of trust and transparency, I think there's a lot of trust here. I think we've built a lot of trust here because we follow through on what we say, you know, um, and, and, and that is more valuable to me than strictly bottom line. Mm -hmm. Growth is important. I, I can never, I'd be a hypocrite if I said, I'm not interested in growth. You guys all know how busy we are. Um, but I get excited because it's not that I'm going to pad my wallet and my bank account. I think about all these amazing things I can do for all of us, including myself, training, education, events, things that we can attend, conferences. You cannot do that if there isn't, there's insufficient funds. You just can't. Mm -hmm. And unless you're willing to put the organization at risk which puts the individuals here at risk, which I would not do. Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to put all of us at risk. I think like a long time ago, you have always said this and I don't, this is the part where I'm like, I don't think I understood it until more recently was like, you were always saying, I have a team. Like I trust my team. I rely on my team and I'm always going to tell my clients about this great team that I have. They can do anything. I believe in them and I'm invested in them. And this is like our value on paper. It's invest in us and we'll invest in, in mm -hmm. you. But I don't think I truly understood it until like more recently of like how much you are caring of like nurturing the people that are giving to this business. And that's like, I don't know. It only comes with time, I guess. Like I, I'm trying to communicate that in the same way. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how to like push that because you've always said it. But what, what is it in you that you're like, I want to treat every staff member and nurture them and have them, you know, continue to work for me? Like what, where does that come from for you? So I think probably in my upbringing somewhere along the line, I think my mother was very much like, you know, get educated. I obviously, I, everyone knows I immigrated to this country. English wasn't my first language. I, I take great pride in where I've been able to get to in terms of my ability to just communicate in English. Um, but I've also, I'm, I, I've always had a cu curiosity to learn new things. 
always, it's always been part of me. Like you name it, I've probably tried it or explored it, tried to learn about it. And that curiosity is what drives me because when I speak to the staff and the team here and, and they're genuinely wanting to invest in themselves and their careers, and I call it a craft, like I do believe just because it's not tangible, we can't touch what we do all the time. I think there's still a beautiful craft to each and every discipline here. Um, if somebody shows that desire and passion for their craft, I want to, I want to, I want to throw diesel into that fire and just, you know, continue to motivate them to learn mm -hmm. um, because they've expressed interest and they've expressed passion for what they do. And I love that. I love to, be, I want to be surrounded by people who are passionate about yeah. our, our industry because we have so much we could offer. Mm -hmm. I think like, I, I hate to like point this out as like a radical way of thinking, but it's like. When you're saying, okay, I used to say something along the lines of like putting food on the table. I, I think there was a term you used to use before too, where it's like, we need to hire a new body. Like right. we need a body in here. And we're also like, you know, stop calling people bodies. Like, it's like so right. weird, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's just odd to feel like, okay, we just need like a body, like someone to warm, warm the space, warm like the to, yeah. yeah, bench warmer or right. something. So it was just like odd. But the reason I say, like, I don't want to say it's radical is, like, for you to say, I actually care about people and I want to invest in them is the opposite of what most of us would consider has happened to us in our work experiences, which is that you're easily replaceable. Like, there's going to be someone else on the market. Like, we can pay someone less than what you're making, or you can find another job. And it's just, like, it's all very interchangeable. Um, that investment that you have in people here is, I don't know, like, it, it's hard to figure out that someone truly believes that and they're not just saying it from our scars from capitalism you know <laughs> like yeah and the it's, corporate it's, world and how it's how it's treated a lot of us and spit us out yeah i can't I, I certainly can't speak to how each of you were treated in historic you know um organizations or your your the way you've been things have been handled in other organizations i just know how how many places that I've worked and how I was treated. And I always had uh, um, an appreciation of the people that got impacted by the decisions that were made. And I'd always, I'd always feel sad. Like when I saw people getting taken advantage of or mistreated or not given an opportunity when brilliant ideas would get thrown at, at a boardroom table in open, in open conversation, but they would be dismissed because the individual's title was beneath their manager's title. And I'm not talking about being like subservient at all, or like, it's just such a, a, a missed opportunity when you don't give everybody an, a voice. And it's not to say everyone's gonna be vocal because some people are just shy by nature. But I think if you work with them maybe one-on-one -on -one or get to know them on a personal level, there's just such an, an immense amount of knowledge that we all have. And, and why would we not, again, if you're curious and you're truly authentically interested in the individuals that are part of your organization, why would you not want to learn from them? Mm -hmm. What can you learn from them? I mean, those things are such a beautiful missed opportunities that I find happen so often. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want that here. I'm like, gosh, I'm, I'm open to learning all the time. I don't care what your title is. I don't care. Mm -hmm. what, like, that's neat. Like, 
you know, I wasn't the biggest, uh, most knowledgeable when it came to videography and equipment, but gosh, do I have fun conversations with Michael or, you know, when it comes to brand and voice and persona, having conversations with you, comes to coding and, you know, talking to the dev team on like new technique. It's just such an interesting thing to me. Mm-hmm. And I think when people feel invested, like they're being heard. Yeah. They'll, they'll put out their all, you know, they'll, they'll give it their all. And that ultimately helps everybody in the organization succeed. Well, I think we've talked in the past about being seen and heard and then like versus being a number, mm-hmm. right? Like being an employee number and then just being treated like you're a cog in, in a larger system. Now, I think the conversation that I was having with even the marketing team around this was like, okay, why does George want this growth? Like, what is the growth to you and what does it mean? Because we are looking at, you know, expanding across the nation right now. We're mm-hmm. looking at hiring more people, growing our team, being able to service more clients. And the question of more was kind of like, okay, what are the options out there? Because um, I think I was saying, like, it's possible to exist as an agency that says, I only accept maybe just say 10 clients as an example. As soon as you lose that one client, we've got to fill that. Mm-hmm. And then we've got 10 clients again and we stay at that. And then we have... Just say 10 employees to service these like 10 clients, you know, keeping that balance there. What's that want for growth rooted from? Because I like our guesses were around like more education, more enrichment, more people, more lives that you can impact. But that's just a guess because it's not from your mouth. It's from our our guesses at your values. Yeah. So I think there. So I think it's multifaceted. I know many agencies who will take a very rigid stance on how many clients they'll take on. Yeah. Because they're very comfortable where they're at. I'm very comfortable where we're at, but I like discomfort as well. Mm-hmm. I like to challenge myself. So that's prob- that's part of why I want to grow our agency um, to, to, to achieve that next state of where we can take this and by doing so share our knowledge to more people because we know this industry is very saturated with really poor quality outcomes mm-hmm. and that bothers me maybe that's a whole other conversation that probably needs to, needs to happen <laughs> so with that being said yes the intention is to grow so that we can enrich our lives even further collectively as an agency and the those who've invested um, in themselves here. There's another thing that I was thinking about this when we started talking about content. And I think the other thing is I am, I am really curious because I've heard this so many times that once you get to a certain state organizationally, you start to lose the values that you stand by because it just becomes too big to manage. Mm -hmm. And I think that's bullshit. I think if you have the right people in place, the right messaging coming top down, I know many organizations who are significantly larger than what we are, who do it right. And they still maintain that true, genuine and authentic care for all of their employees. Mm -hmm. Yes. I might not have line of sight if we're at 500 people, to every single employee, it might not be able to invest half an hour with every employee every month. But knowing that there are good management teams in place that understand the values of that organization and are, you know, ensuring that we are true to those values, 
you can grow something and still maintain a great livelihood, a great atmosphere, a great safe place to work for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's my big driver is I want to prove the system wrong. I want to prove that statement wrong, Mm -hmm. that you're going to get too big, that you're not going to be able to do what we have right now. Yeah. And I think that's like almost something that we were struggling with as a team to understand is like talking about this, like everyone's got their internalized capitalism and their existing knowledge from what the world has taught us about making a business and growing it. I think all of us are aware that like in order to scale, if you want to scale in terms of profit, you have to be able to um, lessen the amount of time you're taking for creating a certain export, right? And I think deep ingrained in our PMO office, it's about if you want to scale, we have to either like charge more and do less or optimize our hours so that we can make more in that like profit bottom line area. But I don't think that aligns with what your vision is. And that's like the weird thing that we're all like, okay, for every client that we sell 10 hours to, we're going to need X number more employees to cover that. We're never going to be able to scale profit. But I don't think that's your mission. And that's like a little bit brain breaking for like when we were <laughs> when we were all talking about it because we're like, no, like we have PMO because we're supposed to scale. And to scale, we need to hire more people. But when you hire more people, you need more clients. Like when does that end, right? Like- So our project management office is there to provide us with insights in terms of our utilization and how how much work, how many hours do we have in comparison to how many hours we can like actually work? Yeah. So there are thresholds here, right? And we want to we need to know those thresholds so that we're not assuming that person A or person B. Uh, you know, we have 163.3 hours in a month. If we divide that, you know, 2,080, 40 hours a week times 52, take away vacation times, about 163 hours. So is the expectation that if I have 500 hours of work for a particular discipline, that that individual is on the hook for those hours? Absolutely not. That would be crazy. That person would get burnt out. They would, their uh, quality of life would diminish and truthfully, they'd probably be out the door. So the idea of of tracking hours is important because it allows us to say, we are at a point now in order to sustain the well-being of our staff, give them a good quality of life, give them that enriched experience, give them um, a place that they can come to work comfortably. We need to hire somebody else because there's too much work for one individual to do rather than assume that okay, sorry, you're going to have to put in 16-hour shifts for the next three weeks. Sorry, if mm-hmm. you want this job, that's what it's going to take. Yeah. It's, I would never want that. I would be out the door in a heartbeat. Right. And it, I don't think it'd be fair to anybody. And and that has been like, even in messaging itself, confusing to the team, right? Because it's like, oh, we're used to the fact that if time is clocked, like, how do I submit it? Like, what do what do I do to like put that stamp on it? I think it was like one of the staff, Shane goes, I don't think I've been able to like submit my timesheet. And I was like, no, as soon as you log it, it's submitted. He was like, oh, I thought you had to like close it off each week and like submit it. And like, it's in. And I was like, you could edit it later. Like we don't even care. Right. right? But like even that act of logging time, clocking it and stuff, everyone is like 
they have their different perceptions of it until you explain that it's simply a metric for us to run the business better, make sure that you're not at capacity. If that is not explicitly told, everyone's assuming they're tracking me. They're looking at what I'm doing. I'm being watched when my hours are clocked. And if I don't meet this many hours, I might be, you know, the least amount of hours clocked. I'm going to get cut. Right. I think um, there's definitely a balance, you know, um, between... Uh, managing a managing a department a business responsibly uh it can't be a free-for-all i mean you can't just yeah. arbitrarily decide uh you know today i'm gonna put in one hour tomorrow i'm gonna put in two maybe i'll put an eight on wednesday if i feel like it like we still need to provide at the end of the day our clients and the relationships we've built are based on the fact that they're expecting something of us. They're giving mm-hmm. us monetary. We're still selling hours. We're still selling hours, yeah. right? And, and they're expecting something in return. And I want to maximize what that something is for them um, without um, negatively impacting um, the well-being of our team mm-hmm. and, and the people here. Yeah. Okay. So without exposing clients or any specifics, we have a client that pays for X number of hours. hmm Regularly, we come in under that for the retainer hours. And I think in our mind, like, we're kind of like, okay, well, they're getting the value out of it. They haven't questioned the number of hours that we're clocking to them. They actually don't see the the number of hours, mm-hmm. frankly. Um, their ads are performing well. The campaigns are great and everything. They're perfectly happy. They're getting their meetings, their content, everything. Mm-hmm. Because we're coming in under those hours, we're like, we're profitable for them. Mm-hmm. Like we put in less time in order to serve them. You, on the other hand, were like, no, let's maximize. I want you guys to use all those hours to go above and beyond. Think of new things that we can do for them so that we can innovate, we can learn, we can figure out new things. Mm-hmm. Again, brain breaking because all of us were like, oh, okay. Like you want us to actually like spend the time for the client and like maximize the number of hours they're paying for. Yeah, and I think what what is interesting there is we do such a great job uh, for this client for a certain uh, amount of hours that we've clocked. Yeah. It's like, what can we do if we, like, capitalized on the additional three or four hours that are still remaining for that month? Yeah. Like, how much more can we push the success of this initiative? Yeah. So there's a balance. I mean, you'd have to, like, literally pull a report up over a period of time mm-hmm. because that period of time will truly dictate. I mean, we also have clients, we go over hours. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, it does it balance out at the end of a quarter or a year. Usually the hours balance out, but yep. I do look at it as, as a, a missed opportunity internally when we have excess and we do nothing with it. So I encourage that we do stuff with it. And if it means that we need to, bring in another uh, disciplinary expert for whatever field we're looking to cover in because now we're going to capitalize on those added hours, then that's what we'll do. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a win-win for the client, for our staff, because they'll probably get to explore something they haven't done. Yeah. Uh, experiment, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the story that comes to mind when I'm thinking of like, you just want to like build your staff. You want to build your clientele and like growth growth being like in the team size as well as with like our client base, it reminds me of like your GIMP selling story <laughs> where it's just like, it, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll just let you tell your your GIMP story, which is like your first step into entrepreneurship. And I don't think it's like part of your founder story or anything, but it's like such a funny, like quirky story around. You're like, 
hey, I'm making friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's how it all started. It was again going back to you know the the kid. I didn't speak English well, and uh, you know, it was like, how do I break the ice with uh, you know my schoolmates? And uh, I found that g- gimp bracelets were like a thing. It was happening grade three and grade four, and uh, I I happened to be at uh, White Rose, which is uh, a craft store here. And, I loved it yeah. when I was a child. I yeah. loved it. So I happened to be in there with my mom one day and I saw these strands of colorful gimp and I asked her to buy some for me. And I think she bought strands for like 25 cents at the time. It was nothing. And I started making bracelets and then I became like the, I was breaking ice with people. Cause I'd be like, look, look at mine. Like mine's black, white, and red. And I can make you a blue one. And then I started making these things and selling them for like, three and four dollars you know but it wasn't the money it was the fact that it was allowing that 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 was allowing me to start dialogue just by being able to give something that people appreciated and wanted Mm -hmm. so fast forward to today and our solutions are obviously much more sophisticated than gimp bracelets but i'm able to work with a team of very knowledgeable and um super intelligent people that are bringing insights and we're collaborating and building these strategies. So I still feel like that, you know, eight year old kid in the playground when I'm able to provide a solution, break the ice only to get, you know, get back to the playground the next day to see my gimp bracelet being worn by that individual. And the gimp bracelet to me now is my clients calling us and saying, thank you. You've changed our business. You've helped us grow. These numbers are amazing. The product you put out, the website, night and day from what we had and how we're positioning. There's no better feeling for me than that. And I don't, I don't take that um, lightly. Like I, I, I've said it for a, to a lot of our clients that um, if we do our jobs right, and we will, we will literally change your business, which could change your life. And I've seen it here. We're changing our business, which is changing my life. And I'm hoping it's bettering the lives of everyone else here. Mm -hmm. That is all. That's my GIMP story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think ultimately we have always touched on the fact that your approach and your personal values all have to do with human connections, a human approach, looking at people like they are people Mm -hmm. and not treating all of these as like monetary interactions around like profitability. It's about doing good for others while you're around them. And I think, you know, tying in that story and that origin and this inner child too is really painting a clear picture to us that uh, George just wants to make more friends all the time. (laughs) That's the conclusion. That's it. I just want more friends. (laughs) More good friends, authentic, genuine, and real people. Yes. That's what I, I want to be surrounded by, for sure. Amazing. Well, Amazing. it's a good enough conclusion for me to take to the team and uh, pass that message along. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the chat today. It was My pleasure. awesome. Thank you. Thank 
kids. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then then have we we the perfect perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous or sexy. Catch us on on the Dean Blundell Blundell Network Network. or on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Because democracy democracy is is something something you do. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.